Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But we've literally watched every season of Broad City like three times. Okay, so Space Jam or Big Mama's House? No, Big Mama's House is not Tyler Perry. Oh, f- oh my god! <laughs> All right, start fucking start the show. Oh yeah, hi. <laughs> uh, welcome to our podcast. I'm Louise, and I'm May, and I don't know much about Tyler Perry. <laughs> Evidently, we're going to go over it later, but first, this is Fragile Freaks, where we talk about historical famous current fan May's failures. <laughs> Mainly mine. <laughs> uh, but we use these stories to show you you're not as fragile as you think. Well, at first, May, how'd you fail? Alright, so this is a weird fail. I don't even know how to explain it. So I was really tired one night this week, and I ripped all my earrings out really quick, and then I went to bed. And the next day, like, my ear was, like, bugging me, and it was irritating me, and... It's going to be really gross. I feel like it's, it's going to be really gross. a little gross. Uh, forewarning. Forewarning. I've not heard this story. She purposely wouldn't tell me because she wanted my reaction. Well, yeah. Yeah. But long story short, I, like, felt my ear... And there was, like, a bump there, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe it's just mad because I left my earring in a little too long or something. And I realized today that the back of my earring had gone into my piercing when I pulled out my earrings that night and was inside my ear. What? Yeah. Like, the, the back of it was inside your ear whole bit, like, that yeah. you made, like, somebody else put in you? <laughs> Wait. Can you explain the ear whole bit again? <laughs> My piercing, yes. <laughs> my ear hole. Dude, that's gross. I don't know how it happened. Was it bloody? Oh, it was not fun to take out. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, was oh, it, yeah. It was bloody? Yeah. Oh, that's gross. I was at work like, this must come out. <laughs> um, but I guess it's because I just pulled the front of the earrings, like, so roughly forward that it must have just popped in instead of just falling out whenever I took out my earrings, and I just didn't notice you weren't just sleepy when you were doing this, were you? I was just sleepy. <laughs> Very sleepy. Uh, I have an exhausting life, Louise. <laughs> but yeah, so I had something inside of me for a few days and didn't even know. Get in line, sister. Ew. <laughs> Back to Broad City. You remember that episode where she found a co- she peed out a condom? Yeah, that's just another level of gross. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It never happened. And that guy's like, we didn't use a condom. Oh my god. Whose condom was it? All right. Toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> that's, that's tampons. You were all off today. Yeah, so my my fear was just, you know. That you cannot get toxic shock syndrome from your ear hole. <laughs> I beg to differ. Yeah, so my fail was just not knowing my body or what had happened. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, also not knowing your body or what happened. It's mental health week, you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and I didn't know it until I had experienced it firsthand. So no, you didn't know it until like days later. <laughs> I didn't. You know, it's crazy. It's like uh, work's been really, really, really like rough lately. And we're a little understaffed at my job environment. My job. My job. And I don't know if you've ever had this feeling of like being held responsible for things that you can't control. Oh, yeah. I couldn't identify that when it was happening, but it totally happened. And my like natural response was just to shut down. Literally, you guys, I got off of work. And went to sleep for, like, 17 hours. Yep. I woke up for maybe two hours just to hear her fiancé yell at me about the amount of coffee cups in my room. And I went back to sleep. Yeah. And I basically saw her both days and was like, oh, I'm not going to talk to her. (laughs) And that was about it. (laughs) No, but it's just, you know, I, like, I couldn't identify, like, why I was, one, just wanting to close my eyes for however long they wanted to stay closed. And then also I just... Like, I think it came up to you, and I was like, I can't do anything today that you want to do. I need to just do you. I just need to zone out. I really can't process. But I guess that's what mental health is and, like, checking that. But, you know, lesson learned. Well, you, be, you, you failed to recognize. I failed to recognize own, yeah. that I was mentally together, which is, it, it's a weird thing for me to kind of admit. Well, and articulate. It's just like, I don't, I'm not one that normally is like, you know, I'm feeling depressed today. Like, I just, I'm generally, a, you know. You normally notice it after and you're like, wow, I was dark for a few days. And I'm like, yeah, you were scary. <laughs> uh, I would think as my friend, you'd be like, hey. Someone's got the bluesies. Yeah, when I do that, you snap at me. I just, I'm supportive. I let you say what you want to say. I give you a sounding board, and then we watch whatever awful show. That's normally how it goes. What are you talking about? All my shows are whatever amazing show. <laughs> no, but that's my fail of the week. I couldn't be aware of your own. I wasn't aware of my own feel. <laughs> say it. Say it. <laughs> Feelings. It's okay to talk about it, guys. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no, but yeah, you. Uh, in lieu of Mental Health Week, talk it out, you guys. It helped me. Hopefully it helps you. Also, just give it a day or two. Yeah. Dude, also, don't doubt the nap coma. I am refreshed and reverbed. Is that a word? I think we just had this discussion. It's not a word. I'm like reverbed beans. I don't... Oh, we were talking about refried beans. That's what it was, and then we just went into a whole tangent. Alrighty. You guys don't need to know. You don't need to know. What you do need to know is my good friend Tyler Perry, who may hear, also doesn't know. Well, okay, so just so people don't hate me beforehand, I know who Tyler Perry is. I know all about his movies, and I've seen, like, bits and pieces of them. I'm just not as big of a fan as Louise. Okay, and to be fair, I wasn't a big fan until my mom was going through her first divorce, and we watched Diary of a Mad Black Woman literally every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Also, it's, like, one of the only, like, movies, like, hit multiple of his movies and plays that me and my uh, brother that's next to me in our, like, lineup would ever agree on. We didn't get along on pretty much a lot of our stuff, but something that we always agreed on was anything that was directed by Tyler Perry... Except for House of Pain, and we'll go over that later. Okay, so Tyler Berry was actually born Emmett Perry Jr. in 1969 in New Orleans, Louisiana. One of four children, he had a difficult childhood, suffering years of abuse at the hands of his father. Also, he was he was subject to abuse from a lot of adults around him. Probably, if we're speculating here, Emmett Sr.'s 
friends and family. Yeah, it's normally the people you know, unfortunately. Unfortunately. It put him through such turmoil. Uh, Once again, we're not going to tread lightly about this, that he attempted suicide. At 16, he made the change to separate himself from Emmett and picked Tyler as his first name. So he's now Tyler Perry. Dun-dun-dun. Um, <laughs> a star is born. <laughs> Perry dropped out of a high school at that point, but he eventually earned a general equivalency diploma, uh, which we call just a GED. <laughs> You're like, the fancy word. The fancy word that May wrote for me, but it's a GED, you guys. <laughs> He's trying to find his way professionally. He held a series of unfulfilling jobs before discovering his true passion. Can you guess what it was? It was theater. There it is. It was, I was, like, I'm it was theater. <laughs> Too bad he went broke. He was living out of his car. So, uh, one of his quotes, and it's kind of cute to me. It's just, it's funny to imagine. It's funny to imagine, but it's also, it had to be It's bad, It's too. bad, yeah. Uh, it, it goes a little something like this. Can you imagine a six foot five man sleeping in a Geo Metro? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> He's a very tall dude. Like, I don't, like, I don't think you've ever seen him in picture standing... Next to like average sized people, but the yeah, guy's but like he's a, tall. He's yeah. a fucking mountain. Yeah. Um. In his early twenties, he's watching an episode of the Oprah Winfrey Show. He heard someone describe that sometimes therapeutic effect the act of writing can have, and this enabled the author to work out his or her problems. So this comment actually inspired him to apply himself to a career in writing. He soon started writing a series of letters to himself. Oh my god! Oh, I didn't even make that connection. I'm, I'm so, so everyone's sorry. Everyone's eardrums right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She just had a realization. I did. Okay. You are Tyler Perry. I might be Tyler. I'm not a six foot five beautiful brown man, but no. I do write letters to myself all the damn time. That is your way of like venting very serious and shit out. I haven't written in quite some time. This could explain my. You might be a little stopped up. Yeah, my nap coma. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta write it out, girl. But yeah, no. So uh, I can totally vouch for this. Writing to yourself, like letters, uh, it, journal entries, whatever, can be a, a huge change in the way you actually feel about yourself and the way you start talking to yourself. I don't know if anybody does that, but I know. Well, yeah, everyone should. It's called thinking. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, but this became the basis, essentially, for his musical, I Know I've Been Changed, which I feel like is probably one of maybe two or three other plays and movies that he's made that I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard good things about it. He's, I mean, a lot of his stuff is really good. It's a little cheesy, I'm not going to lie, but I love the humor. I like the more, like, they the all have, like, sense. yeah, from everything that I've seen, it's, they have good, like, themes and morals and kind of... Medea emphasizes how you want to act, but you cannot do that. Yeah. Um, so, around 1990, Perry moved to Atlanta, where two years later, uh, I Know I've Been Changed was performed at a community theater. He was... 22 years old at the age and had $12, $12,000 in his life savings. So at 22-year-old, had $12,000. But didn't he use that for the play? He used it all for the play. Which is crazy. It included themes of, like, forgiveness, dignity, self-worth, uh, addressing issues such as child abuse and dysfunctional families. I wonder where he got that from. The musical initially received less than stellar reception and was a financial failure. So at 22 years old, he actually was pretty established with having $12,000 in the bank. I consider that very good. Yeah. But, I mean, he tried to do this dream, this vision he had, and it didn't work out. Lost all of it. Yeah. So let's fast forward a few years. 1998, he's 28 years old. He succeeded in retooling the play and restaging it in Atlanta, first at the House of Blues, then at the Fox Theater. 
Perry continued to create the new stage productions and was developing a large, devout following among African-American audiences, also my divorcee white mother. (laughs) In 2005, Forbes reported that he had sold more than 100 million tickets, 30 million in videos of his shows, and an estimated $20... Just $20. Just $20 in merchandise. Just kidding. (laughs) 20 million in merchandise. And the 300 live shows he produces each year are attended by an average of 35,000 people a week. So lots of things are happening as he's finally reaching the age of like 28. So we're struggling for the better part of a decade. And then something clicks. It's something pretty relatable, I think, to most people. Like getting your feet off the ground is a little rough. Man, this guy has persistence. He's got endurance. He was told no pretty much. And was broke, and still was like, eh, let's keep doing it, though. Yeah, he just kept pushing. He ended up raising a $5.5 million budget, in part from the ticket sales of his stage productions to fund his first movie, my mom's favorite, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Yeah! I love that movie. It's got great music in it, too. I need to watch it. I've seen bits and pieces on TV. I just oh, does never... that mean we're watching Tyler Perry? Space Jam, but we'll get to that. <sighs> okay. We went on to gross $50.6 million domestically while scoring a 16% approval rating at the film review website Rotten Tomatoes, which honestly, percentages of money means nothing to me. Okay, well then he's still sucking. So, in his <laughs> opening weekend of 2006, Perry's film version of Medea's Family Reunion, also wonderful movie. And play. If you ever see the play, that's pretty dope, too. I think they have a few copies on CD still. <laughs> you mean you do. <laughs> <laughs> Basing Medea on his mother and several other mature women in this life, Perry played the eccentric character himself, wearing drag. Of course. Yeah. How is she going to do it? I mean, also, I feel like I know a few other Christian men that like to play drag here and there. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm from Houston. So <laughs> it's all over the place. It's common and it's beautiful. It is. Uh, but around this time, he also launched his first television series, House of Pain, on the TBS cable network. Which, like I said, yeah. Take it or leave it. You can take it or leave it. Everything's okay. <laughs> it didn't have really him starring in it that much. Uh, that was probably part of it, why you didn't like it. That's probably true. I am just mostly a Tyler Perry fan. Like, I like his shows, but I like, I mean, I like, like when he's actually in it. You know, he, he's a guy that comes with no scandal, really. Like, and he's a decent dude. Don't, you're going to curse him. You're going to curse Tyler Perry. I know. He's going to end up on the next list. Okay. No. Uh, so far, he's good. <laughs> Adding to his already dynamic career, Perry wrote the 2006 best-selling book, Don't Make a Black Woman Take Off Her Earrings, which I'm pretty sure me and my mom have yelled at each other in a fight or two. But these are just Medea's uninhibited commentaries on love and life. The book went on to win two Quill Awards, Book of the Year, and Best in Humor. Nice. I think you should read that. Shut up. Well, you love Tyler Perry. Yeah, but I don't care to read about love and life. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's where you got offended. <laughs> now I realize. Tyler also wrote, directed, and produced a number of other films, including the 2009 critical smash Precious. Recently, Perry has explained his entertainment operations dramatically, entering into a partnership with Oprah Winfrey's own network in 2012 and establishing his own film studio in Georgia in 2015. So, guys, an up-and-comer. He's, keep, he's still moving on up. Gone, gone on Anyways, but Perry has consistently ranked as one of the most financially successful entertainers in Hollywood in recent years. Being named as the highest paid man in entertainment in 2011 by Forbes, his net worth as of March 2009 
2017 is 600 million dollars and probably more now and like american monies so that's a lot of monies dollar dollar bills y'all i think i'm I think my net worth is, I, what, like, what would you say, a Subway sandwich? Negative. <laughs> like a six inch, not even a foot long? No, I meant like negative. Oh, a negative Subway yeah. sandwich. <laughs> like you owe someone a Subway sandwich. I think I do, to be honest Oh, you with probably you. do. Oh, no. Okay, so we're going to end this little Tyler Perry uh, montage on this really great quote that he he said, uh, do you know how many times I have tried to be successful at doing plays before it finally worked? From 1992 until 1998, every show I put on flopped. No one showed up, and I lost all my money. I wanted to give up. I thought I had failed, but the truth is, I never failed. Each and every time the show didn't work, I learned something new. I learned what not to do and what I could do better. It's a beautiful failure quote. Well, and I think it's something that everybody can relate to. That's something I relate to this week of, like, not recognizing my emotions, but... Like, letting that affect me at work. Yeah. And then learning that that kind of behavior, that kind of mentality isn't making me better. This is how I can do it differently. Yeah. You're just learning, like, oh, that didn't work, so I should probably try it a different way. I mean, like, on a very smaller... Oh, much smaller. Yeah. (laughs) Scale. I mean, you're a star, but still. Thanks. Will you call my mom and tell her that? I I probably will. She doesn't listen to this podcast either. No, she doesn't. (laughs) She just texts me to make sure you're alive every once in a while. Dude, she totally did that the other day. She was like, hey, is Louise all right? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And then I had to figure out where she was. It's like, she's at work, ma'am. Oh, yeah, I was at work. Yeah, you were. But speaking of Space Jam, <laughs> Michael Jordan. We've all seen Space Jam. Yeah. You've seen, like, no Tyler Perry movies. Okay, I agree. But Space Jam. But Space Jam, okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to focus on Michael Jordan's Space Jam We're not gonna roll. We're not going to focus on his cinematic debut. But I could. I could do a whole other podcast on that. Just on Space Jam. That will be your podcast. Oh, yeah. It will. Uh, but Michael Jordan, if you haven't heard of him, you probably are a small child or have lived under a rock. Maybe you're Amish. I don't know. I feel like that name has a lot of recognition. They get newspapers. Yeah, do Amish people read newspapers? That is a good question. We read newspapers now because you don't know how to control me when I'm drunk. Yeah, because you drunk ordered newspapers. <laughs> That's a problem for us. Okay. <laughs> but Michael Jordan, we're just going to go into his background, and he wasn't always the crazy star that we know today. So he was born in 1963 in Brooklyn, New York. He attended Laney High School in Wilmington, which I believe is Delaware, where he played basketball, baseball, and football. So he's, you know, a typical jock doing his thing. Um, and he tried out for the varsity basketball team during his sophomore year, but he didn't make it. And that kind of crushed him a little bit. Um, the reasons he was given was that he was too short. He was only 5'11". Way too short. God I forbid mean, we're 5'11". That's just, too you know, short. Tiny. I'm pretty sure your fiancé is like a good 5'8", maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm being generous. That's a short ginger. <laughs> that's sweet boy. <laughs> but he was deemed too short at that level. He also, the coaches said he needed more time to kind of practice and get more time on the court so they put him on jb but when 15 year old jordan realized that he wasn't on the list he's quoted saying i went to my room and i closed the door and i cried for a while i couldn't stop um even though there was no one else home at the time i kept the door shut it was important to me that no one hear me or see me so basically he didn't want people to know that he felt like a failure and that he in his eyes, was a failure at the time. I can get that. Yeah, I mean... No, I mean, that's partially why I don't... Like, I just go straight to my room after, like... A rough day? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it either. Can't look me in the eyes. 
I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think I've totally bypassed you before. Yeah, you I just went upstairs. I'm like, ooh, it's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was he was in a, a rough place. And once he started playing for a JV, he decided to use this failure, kind of like Tyler Perry had spent it, to use the failure to motivate himself. Um, he was quoted saying, whenever I was working out and got tired, I figured I ought to stop. I'd close my eyes and see that list on the locker room without my name on it. And that usually got me going again. So it's... That's a good way to spin it. Instead of being like, oh, I'm going to be a failure. He was like, no, I'm not going to be a failure. Well, and he didn't do the opposite. And that was be defensive and say, like, yeah, it should be my name up there. These chumps don't do nothing. Yeah, yeah. He Ugh. wasn't. I don't, I don't think that's how he spoke when he was a kid. I'm just saying. But he wasn't cocky about it. He was like, no, I need to do better. Yes. Yeah. That, I think that's a really important. And that's crazy like, at that age to have that, like. No, that I think that's know. a really important aspect that it like that we should emphasize on is the fact that he wasn't cocky. Like, he didn't feel like he was owed anything. He was crushed because he realized he wasn't good enough at that point. Yes. Yeah. But he eventually did make it to varsity, which, shocker, (laughs) that he's good at basketball. And then he accepted a basketball scholarship to North Carolina where he majored in cultural geography. That makes zero sense to me. I want to know what cultural geography is. That's completely left wing for me, for this, this dude. I mean, that's great. No, yeah. That's I mean, so great. I mean, like, he's smart. I think it's a really great idea for, like, professional athletes to have some sort of fallback degree. But, I mean, cultural geography. Like, I just want to know what it is. I want to know why. Like, demographics? I don't... Maybe? Maybe it's the cultures in certain... Geography. Geography. <laughs> wow, you figured that out. I'm telling you. I, She's I, smart. I should have the college diploma. Not you. I'm just kidding. I'll give you an honorary one. <laughs> Made on word. <laughs> but after... He's had some time in his college career. He wins the Naismith and the Wooden College Player of the Year awards. He then leaves North Carolina one year before he's supposed to graduate to enter the 1984 NBA draft. Which... We're about to butcher some athletic statistics. Yeah, I didn't before kind of mention I know nothing about sports, so I'm going to just let you know now so you don't get offended or butthurt. Is that a good warning? Yeah, pretty much. I didn't include a lot of the crazy stats that he holds because that's way over my head, sports-wise. You know. Yeah, yeah. So we're mainly just focusing on an overall picture and then stuff that people didn't realize, oh, yeah, he did fail and have some issues. Yeah, but he finally, during the draft, he got selected by the Chicago Bulls. He was the third overall pick, um, and he quickly became a fan favorite. So even in opposing arena, uh, even in opposing arenas, he was still loved by all the fans. And yeah, which is pretty cool and very rare in sports. I know that much. He appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the heading A Star is Born just a month after he began his professional career. Right next to Tyler Perry. They were right next to each other. Yeah. In this in this cover. That's not true. Don't look They were up. hugging. <laughs> <laughs> they were best friends. <laughs> but he set so many records that I'm not going to list them as he was playing number 23 for the Bulls. And he eventually retires, retirement number one, in 1993. Um, he had recently lost his father, which that story is very tragic. Yeah, so it's understandable why he needed to take, like, a step back. And he actually, at this time, this is when he starts playing baseball. Um, and a lot of the quotes and, like, articles I was reading said that he played baseball and he gave that a try because his dad always wanted a professional baseball player as a son. Oh, so it was kind of, like, okay. his honor to his dad. And um, 
He played baseball for, like, a little bit, not very long, like, a few years, and I think he was mainly in, like, minor league teams and stuff like that, and then he was supposed to go into the major league, uh, but he just didn't have the same passion or success in baseball that he had in basketball, and he returned to basketball in 1995. So he returned, and he's awesome again. I'm not going to talk about all the amazing stuff he does, because I don't understand the terminology. And also, I'm very sure that all of our basketball fanatics out there already know. Yeah, and also you would hate me for however I butchered him. (laughs) But he continues playing, he keeps being awesome, and he officially retires in 2003. That's when his last game was. So after this, he kind of steps back, and he's still involved in the NBA, but in a different way. And he becomes the owner of the NBA franchise, the Charlotte Bobcats. Oh, cute. Which I've never heard of. You know, we have a niece named Charlotte, and we call her Chuckles because she never smiles. Well, that's terrifying. Almost as terrifying as a Charlotte Bobcat. (laughs) Um, But at the time, this franchise was hemorrhaging, and Jordan used a lot of his own money to cover all the operating losses that the team was experiencing. In the 2011-2012 season, the team earned a mere seven wins um, alongside 59 losses. This set the worst record of any team in the history of the NBA. Christ. Yeah. So he was having a rough time trying to get this team where they needed to be. Um, On top of the horrible records that they held and how, to be honest, shitty they were, the Bobcats had, like, no community support at all. Obviously, when a team sucks, no one's going to root for them. Like a shitty bra, no support. Yeah, that was the Bobcats. (laughs) Yeah, but the brand was... You know, kind of the same as disappointment. And despite having Michael Jordan at the helm, they still were not doing so hot. So after the 2012-2013 season, Jordan started to turn things around. He kind of redid leadership. Uh, He brought in a former Laker assistant coach, Steve Clifford, to replace Mike Dunlap. And Jordan also agreed to kind of remove himself from the process of managing the team's operations. Because... He realized, hey, this isn't my strong point. He is good at creating a brand, not running the team. An operation. <laughs> yeah. So he started to use his strengths to rebrand the team. Um, he changed the team name to the Charlotte Hornets, which I like that better. That sounds. The Bobcats remind me way too much of High School Musical, and I know that wasn't a thing, and then, like, the. Like, no, that was a thing by then, right? No. High School Musical yeah, was a thing yeah, by then. It was a thing. Okay, so of course this didn't work. Yeah, that's the whole reason it didn't work, High School Musical. And it is Jack Efron, you ruined the Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah, so he fixed that problem. (laughs) The Charlotte Hornets now. But Jordan himself became more involved in community events, and he started to have a connection between the team and the city, and he became the kind of face of the team. And he was just interacting more, and they built more of a following, finally. Why are you fucking laughing at me? (laughs) Sorry. This bitch. No, it's... You're cute. Oh, you're cute too. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, gosh, she's not cute. I take it back. <laughs> no, you gotta leave that in now. <laughs> There's too much laughing to take it out. I can take it out. It's gonna be such bad out. <laughs> but, anyways, Jordan's killing it. He's finally starting to turn the team around. Um, all the changes are paying off. The team finishes the 2013 2014 season with a winning record of 43 39, which is the second best year in the history of the franchise. 
for Charlotte. So they're they're not the best team, but they're doing a thousand times better. And they even made it to playoffs. And at the same time, their ticket and merchandise sales have skyrocketed. And the public actually want to go to their games. So it's a lot better. But overall, kind of summing up Jordan, um, his own brand and income and endorsements was estimated at $110 million as a retired athlete, which is the most of any retired athlete. And in 2018, his current net worth is estimated at $1.7 billion by Forbes. That's a lot of American money dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's a crap ton. It's also made him the third richest African-American as of 2018, behind, of course... Oprah Winfrey and Robert F. Smith. Who is Robert F. Smith? Probably should know. We should probably look that up. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. We will Next episode ourselves. on Proud the Freaks, Robert F. Smith. Who the fuck's that guy? He's probably a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're ignorant. <laughs> Just kidding. But another great quote to kind of end on all of these struggles that Jordan went through, um, along with tons of success. He is quoted saying, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. That's nice. Mic drop. Mic drop. Fucking beautiful. Yeah, so both of these guys are just talking about, hey, yeah, we have failed. We did not get it right at first, but I just kept going. Persistence is key. Some stamina thrown in there. A little dash of hope and faith. <laughs> Sprinkle of luck. I'll, I'll go ahead and go as far as call it a success cake. Oh. I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what this voice is either. And I really, really need to take a shower. That's what it's happening. It's made me uncomfortable as well. Uh, really? <laughs> Do I smell that bad? No. Voice. Oh. <laughs> okay. But now that you know. <laughs> oh, my dog escaped. Oh, my God. Zeke got out. Oh, All so right. We need to wrap this up. We got to wrap it up because I have a husky next to the mic now. <laughs> Okay, but uh, check out our Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat at FragileFreaks.podcast. Uh, send us your comment, questions, and tell your stories to FragileFreaksPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call 614-918-7570 to leave us a voicemail and possibly get featured on the show. Also, we are on whatever listening device you're listening to us on, or iTunes, or Spotify, or iHeartRadio, Google Music, so many things. Whatever you're listening, please... Rate, review, follow, subscribe. Um, Also, check out our Patreon so we can get some cool stuff for you guys. Last shout-out is to our Facebook group. We are over 1,500 followers. Thanks, guys. That's pretty cool. Um, Say thank you, Zeke. Yeah, Zeke's here to, you know, breathe on us and slobber. Are you going to say thank you? Oh, zeke Where's your friend Sebastian? He's still locked up. Yeah. He wasn't he's, smart enough to unlock himself. He's being a good boy. Okay. Yeah. Also, next week on how we failed to lock the dogs up properly. See, put your foot down. <laughs> I swear he just Houdini'd it. Okay, bye guys.
Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.